let's recap. Not just the announcement that we just had, but last week's message. Let's recap. Naomi, Ruth, Ruth's mother-in-law had left Bethlehem, Judah, with her husband and two children during a time of severe famine. Their plan was to find a good life, leaving behind kind of the, the problems of the past and moving forward into something new um, and better. This did not happen. Naomi's husband died, as you've heard the story. The boys married, uh, and then 10 years later, they also died. Now, this is quite the thing. Naomi is heartbroken. She's away from her homeland. She's now a widow. She's childless. She wants to go home. Okay. She can't live this life on her own anymore. She's, she's, she's heard that there's food back home. And she's heard that things are better than when she left. So she makes this decision that she is going to start the travel back um, home. She makes the announcements to uh, the wives of her sons that had just died. To Ruth, number one, and to Orpah, number two. She says, I'm going home, ladies. Um, and, and then they start the, the trek back to Naomi's land. After they're, they're going for a little bit, Naomi kind of has this, like, epiphany, and she's like, wait a minute, you guys don't actually have to be with me. You know, I, like, maybe you should just stay here. Like, I, am, am I going to have children again, like babies, and then you're going to wait for them to grow up, and then you're going to marry them? Like, that's just kind of weird. Like, that's probably not going to happen. So I release you. You have no obligation to me. Just just stay here. It's fine. You do you. Live your life. It's all good. Orpa, she's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to take the pass on this. They cry a little bit. She's like, peace out. They hug. I'm going to stay. Ruth says, Heck no, I'm going. I'm going. She's like, there's something about you, and there's something about this. I'm not going to, I just lost my husband. I'm not going to lose you too. I, and she's feeling the pull of God on her life to be into the family of God. So she's like, I don't, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I'm with you till the end. Okay. So they, they all hug it out, like I said. Orpa goes back to Moab, and Ruth and Naomi start their journey, their road trip. Okay. So I feel like at this moment, there's like kind of like a little bit of happy vibes because they're, they're now on a road trip. They've settled. It's all good. And, and it's, I feel like they're like, it's us against the world. We got this. And maybe, just maybe, the theme song was, I get knocked down. Then I get up again, you know, we're going to, right? And they're just, they're going and they're doing their thing. And then there's the, the highs and the lows of the journey where they, the grief settles back in again. They realize what's happening. Then there's the good times and the bad times. They're processing through trauma, sudden loss, the grief, the worst kind of grief, losing a husband, losing children. They're widows. They're alone. All this is starting to come to their mind. Like they are living in a male-dominated world where males provided, the husbands provided. They're super poor. They have nothing. A complete rebuild of their lives is ahead of them. I remember when my dad died. I was 20. And um, he was 52. 
he was diagnosed with cancer, and six days later, he was gone. It was so abrupt in my life. My mom was just in her late 40s and now a widow. A complete rebuild of her life ahead. This is a difficult thing. Here's Ruth starting this brand new journey. Her not asked for, never wanted reset button has been pressed. And she's starting over. Ruth was a Moabite. We learned about that last week, that Moabites were not a part of the congregation of the Lord. In Deuteronomy 23, verse 3, it says, No Ammonite or Moabite is to enter the congregation of God, even to the tenth generation. No one ever. Okay. This was the way it was. Due to the hostility of, of, of these people and hatred against Israel, they were to have no place with the Lord. And there was no exceptions. It says to the tenth generation, which signifies a complete exclusion. Okay. However, as you read in the story, this is absolutely not the case for Ruth. So how is it that this Moabite woman got a pass? On this no exception clause. See, Ruth's spiritual devotion and desire preempted the natural order. So here we are, Ruth chapter 2, she's in the field. Ruth chapter 1, she is a stranger. Now chapter 2, she is a servant in the field. She's in the land of Israel. She's had been brought into the congregation of the Lord. Shouldn't be there, but she's there. It's not a flashy role, it's servanthood. But she's in. You know, there was a time early, very, very early uh, in our ministry lives. I don't, I'm not sure if we were still dating or married. But it, there was a time when, when we just were just so hungry to be around. And we still are. But um, we were young. And just be around the people of God. Be around men and women of God. And I remember, like, we would do anything just to be in their presence. They didn't even have to talk to us. We just stand there. You know, and just like soak it in, you know. And I remember Craig a couple times uh, going on trips where um, these men would go and they'd travel around and speak at different conferences or churches or whatever. And he would go, he, he'd just be like, I just want to carry your bags. Just carry your bags. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. I just want to be there to carry your bags because I'll do anything to be at the right place for the right time. Ruth is in the field. Exactly where she should be for now. See, there's something about for now. There's something significant for now. It's imperative, actually, that we live in our for now. Are you exactly where you should be for now? Are you doing exactly what you should be doing for now? For now is not forever, but it is for now. See, now is not for later, and later is not for now. For now is for now, and for later comes later. Did you like that? That was good. Okay. Ruth chapter 2, let's read it. So it happened, Naomi had a relative by marriage, a man prominent and rich, connected with Emelech's family. His name was Boaz. One day, Ruth, the Moabite foreigner, said to Naomi, I am going to work. I'm going out to glean among the sheaves, following after some harvester who will treat me kindly. 
go ahead, my daughter. So she set out. She went out. She was gleaning the field, following the wake of harvesters. Eventually, she ended up in the part of the field owned by Boaz. A little later, Boaz came out. He greeted his harvesters. He said, God be with you. They replied, and God bless you. And Boaz said to his young servant, who is this woman? Where'd she come from? He said, that's the Moabite girl, the one that came with Naomi. She asked permission. She said, let me glean and gather the she- around the sheaves following after your harvests. She's been steady ever since. She hasn't even taken a break. Then Boaz spoke to Ruth, listen, my daughter, from now on, don't go to any other field to glean. Stay here in this one and stay close to my young women. Watch, they are harvesting and follow them. And don't worry about a thing, for I've given orders to my servants to not harass you when you're thirsty. Feel free to get a drink. She dropped to her knees. She bowed her face. How does this happen? that you should pick me out and treat me so kindly, a foreigner. Ruth is in the field. She's working it. It's hot probably. It's hard work. It's, there's a lot of bringing in the sheaves. I mean, she's not literally bringing in the sheaves. She's gleaning among the sheaves. But do you guys know that old song, Bringing in the Sheaves? Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the. And they always drag it out, sheaves. Right? If you don't know it, look it up. you got to find it somewhere. I, I, I grew up with that song. So I'm not sure, though, how much rejoicing is happening. Um, I mean, afterwards, the sheaves are brought in. I probably think there's probably a lot more rejoicing because it's over. But the, the work of, of bringing this in, I don't know, it doesn't sound so much fun. But Ruth is in the field. During this time, let me mention, there was a law in place by God called the law of the gleaner. This was so that the poor, the widow, the fatherless, the orphan could work and uh, provide for themselves. They were typically strangers that were to stay on the perimeter, the edges of the field and take that. It was like a means of social assistance, a charity, um, or sorry, not charity. It was an opportunity to work. So you would work to provide for yourself Pull yourself out of poverty. Leviticus 19, verse 9 says, When you harvest your land, don't harvest right up against the edges of your field or gather the gleanings from the harvest. Don't strip the vineyard bare or even go back and pick up the grapes that fell. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. That's where Ruth should have been, but she was gleaning among the sheaves, not the edges. This stranger, former heathen, widowed woman found herself main stage front row. But how? See, chapter 2 of Ruth tells us where we should be and what we should do. Where we should be. See, when we are where we should be for now, And doing what we should do for now, we position ourselves for the favor and increase of the Lord. The field is your where, the harvest is your why. The field in the book of Ruth represents two things. It represents the world we live in and the church we serve in. Okay? The harvest is done two ways. It's done gleaning, which is what Ruth is doing, and reaping, which is a, a... bigger scale. This represents our worth, our, our work efforts, our productivity, 
our approach, our ministry involvement. And, and this is Ruth. I mean, she's a hard worker. She's independent. She's a self-starter. She didn't even take a break. You know, she's just going for it. And, and before Boaz even knew one thing about her, her work ethic alone uh, gained interest in his eyes and respect. See, there is a responsibility on us to do well. You want to be promoted to manager? Start acting like one when you're still shift supervisor. You want to be a team leader? Start showing leadership and great followership when you're just a regular member of the team. At every church that we've ever been in, when we've had interns, uh, like I've heard Craig say this so many times, hey, like, if you always think like an intern, you'll always be an intern. Think like a pastor while you're an intern. Before you know it, you're a pastor. Don't just punch the clock, but passionately serve the Lord in your assignment. You know, many of our, our current um, staff members actually here at this um, church right now started at the bottom, so to speak. I, I don't like to use that word because it's, it's all ministry and it's all important. But like what we would term the bottom. Stephanie, youth leader at 18, <laughs> now youth pastor. At 18, she was our youth leader. <laughs> Shelby, also a youth leader of ours, also one of my right-hand small group leaders, now Connection Pastor. Joel, who runs our sound and different things and team tech, all that. He was my youth leader in, in Canada when we were there. He was a bass player on the worship team, now media coordinator, sound tech. Kaylee. <laughs> She was also one of my youth leaders and young adult leaders. She was custodian for a while, right? Shout out to that. Now children's pastor. The people I would, and I'm sure you would too, look to promote are people doing the things that we would like them to do before you ask them to do it, right? Like it's impressive. It shows leadership. It shows initiative. You know what's not impressive? <laughs> You guys already know. I don't have to say it. I'm going to say it, though. But when you have to baby step, spell it out, every detail over and over and over, that's not going to get you very far in your job, in your home, <laughs> in your marriage. And it's not a heart of a great gleaner. There's no advancing. See, the greatest enemy of advancement, I believe, is the temptation to despise the day of small things. Zechariah 4.10. See, when we do this, we put a pause on the increase of the Lord's desire to add to our lives. See, God gives us small starts. And, but often we feel bigger. You know, we feel bigger than the small. We feel more talented or we, we resent the feeling of, oh, I'm just being held back because I have more. And therefore, we don't give as much as we could or we're not as diligent as what we should be. And, and then we never, we never qualify to participate in the greater. Our small beginnings holds the key to our future. In school, in home, in employment. They, we, they all have tasks we don't like. Am I right? It seems insignificant. So what? <laughs> Who says you have to like it to grow from it? Who says you have to like it to do it well? Not liking a job is no excuse to do it poorly. See, it's easy to be faithful to a thing when the thing is the thing you like. But when it's not, that tests our character. 
whether we like it or whether we don't, in our faithfulness, a divine shift can occur. Okay? Have you ever felt a shift in the atmosphere? You're like walking in with like, whoa, that was like shift. The, this, different cities have different fields and atmospheres. You can cross into a city and you can feel the shift. You're like, oh, did you feel that? Sometimes people like, you know, I, I've... You know, people will go away on vacation, they come home, and I'm like, oh, I felt that when you landed. There was a shift there. You know, you're back. When we've gone, uh, when we've gone to Reading uh, to, to visit these guys, when you cross into that city, literally there's a shift because it's just like just a powerful presence of God in that city. Uh, you also feel a shift when you go to places like Vegas, right? And I know there's powerful things happening there, but there's also such a... Uh, um, a presence coming against it, that you can feel the difference, you know. And um, there's shift in different places. We also have dominion and authority to make shifts happen because of what we carry. And we, so we can go into places uh, that maybe there's like an attack on a city or whatever, and we can, you know, declare the, the glory of God and make the shift come. Well, I was, um, when we were living in Toronto, Canada, there was a mall that we would frequent. And um, we'd go there, and there's an Apple store that we would visit from time to time. And then one day we were in this Apple store, and there was something weird. Like, there was, like, a weird feeling in the store. And I'm like, what is going on in here? And some of the staff members are kind of looking and talking to each other. And then I look over, and they're looking at, they're looking at this lady. And I look, and I see this lady. And she's going around the kind of the perimeter of the store, and there's um, like this, these long tables, you know, how they have all the iPads and set up. And she is walking iPad to iPad, the computer, 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 each one. And she's doing a little thing, I don't know, just like this little action with her, yeah, hands. And then she's chanting something over these devices. And I was like, what? No, this is my mall in my city, and I come to this store. She doesn't get to do that. No, no. I, and something rose up in me in that moment. And I'm like, no way. And I went over to her, and I was like, stop it. And she, <laughs> I literally said, it was in the spirit. I was like, stop it. And, and she's like, and then she, and like ran out of the store. I'm like, that's right. And then I went back to my family, and, and they were like, where did you go? Like, what were you doing, you know? And the staff members were like, what just happened? Like, we did not. We have dominion and authority to come against what the enemy's doing and to cause shift in atmosphere. That was just a fun story for your pleasure. Anyway, there was Ruth gleaning in the sheaves. She was doing the faithful thing to help to provide for her little non-related family, her and Naomi. And suddenly, Boaz notices. Just like that, a shift takes place in her life. That's about to launch her into what she's destined for, but never demanded of. See, she lived in her for now season, never demanding for her for later. Boaz asked his people, hey, leave behind some grain for Ruth to pick up. Let her glean much. See, little always precedes much. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. 
Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. No one starts at the top. No one does. You're not alone in that. No one starts at the place of fulfilled dreams. Everyone has times that they wish they were somewhere else doing anything besides what they're doing right now. You start small. You learn. You work. Diligence. We're shaped by God. He works on our character defects. Thank God, right, that he does that. Thank God that I'm better today than I was yesterday. To be men and women of faith and integrity. See, you can't have too much too soon. We've seen it, young celebrities that are given more than they can handle or the maturity to handle it. It's the same in the church. It's the same in our homes. It's important to not advance too quickly. A gifting can take you where your character can't keep you. Don't let it happen. Develop yourself. Glean in the field you've been placed in. Let favor come upon you. Just as you're doing your thing, as you're, you know, around the sheaves, doing the thing. Let favor come upon you. Small beginnings hold the key to our future greatness. And if we cannot learn how to thrive as servants, we will never learn how to rule as kings. Luke 16 verse 10 says, if you are faithful... In the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you will not be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with a thing of your own? See, serve and work the hardest you can when what you have isn't yours. Serve someone else's dream. Show that you're faithful. Show that you can be trusted. And God will ensure that your little turns into much. The increase in our lives far outweighs our efforts in the end. It's interesting to note that in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 7, she actually asked if she could glean among the sheaves. She asked for that. See, in, in harvesting, the reapers would take handfuls of stalks in one hand, they would cut it with the sickle in the other, and then they would gather the grain in one arm, and then when they felt like they had a good load, they would lay down the ground for the women to come behind and bind it and make a sheave. That's the sheave, okay? It can then be transported to the threshing floor. There is understandably a lot more gleanings among the sheaves, because there's things missed and dropped. But this was a bold move for a gleaner, a stranger gleaner. We know the law said that she was to stay at the edges, the perimeter of the fields. So this was a bold ask for this Moabite woman. We also know, may I add, that there was a confidence that she had in going that day that her request would be granted. Why do I know that? Because she said a few verses earlier to Naomi, she said, hey, I'm going to go and work and glean among the sheaves and follow after someone who will show me kindness. She said that before she even asked if she could glean among the sheaves. She prophesied her own 
destiny and then walked it out in the confidence of the Lord. Come on. See, many times we have this attitude that if it's God's will, he'll open the door. And yes, that does happen sometimes. But sometimes there's a door open because we're bold enough to kick it open. This doesn't mean you're forcing something that's not at the hand of God. But as you follow him and you desire to live in alignment with him, it's okay to ask boldly. It's okay to push forward. It's okay to know who you are and to push into that. There will come a time that your for now will change into your for later. And the Father's heart is increased. And as we're faithful and in motion with the Lord, he will direct and guide you. You see an opportunity as you're following Jesus, as you are faithful, that looks promising, but it's like a little out of reach. I dare you to push it, to ask, to take initiative, to kick it in, <laughs> whatever, to live bold. If it's not what God has for you, you don't need to worry. You don't. If your heart, Jesus, I want to follow you in everything I do, and you push on something that's not, he is going to direct and guide you. He's not just going to let you go out there. He, he's such a good father. He's, there's going to be enough indicators to steer you. But if it is him, come on. You've just stepped into something. You've just launched out into something because you took a risk. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. See, we can take personal responsibility to grab a hold of our future without the fear of train wrecking our destiny. You don't have to worry. Don't worry about it. He's got it, and he doesn't just have it. He's directing it in your motion, in your faithfulness, in your for now, gleaning season. He has a plan. See, we all have a harvest. We all have harvest. You have a harvest on the earth, and so do I. I'm not going to harvest yours. You have to do it. <laughs> you have to do your own harvest. In your small for now and in your bigger for later, you have a harvest. I mentioned there are two ways to harvest. There's the gleaning, like Ruth, and there's the reaping, which is the bigger magnitude. Okay, it's not more valuable. It's just different. Our gleaning takes place as we submit ourselves to the small pieces of our influence, okay? You must say yes to the gleaning. You must say yes to the gleaning. We glean in our workplace. We glean in our schools. We glean in at the gas station. We glean in the checkout line. We glean people, overlooked people, unconnected people, lonely people. We bring them into the bundle. We tie them up with the rest. <laughs> Not literally. We give placement and purpose as we work in the field. We glean in the small. Reaping is this large harvest areas. It's, this represents like large impact ministries, like one huge sweep and like hundreds come to know Jesus. It's also the local church. It's our church. It's the broad influence of like children's ministries, youth ministries, food ministries, things like that. We reap in the big. Jesus was a reaper ministering to large crowds, but he was also a gleaner, taking time for like the one-on-one. -on -one. Ruth 
in the field, gleaning away, positioned herself to increase, to advance. She, because of her faithfulness, moved into a place of huge influence and fame. She's named in the genealogy of Jesus. We're talking about her today. She's kind of a big deal. Talk about reaping harvest bigger than your life. Wow. Let your gleaning make way for your reaping. And don't despise the small things. See, the increase in in Ruth's life was released as she was faithful with little, in community, and in family. With little, Ruth took a bad job in a tough spot. In a strange land, she stood, she walked hours every single day, collected leftovers and didn't even break. But her faithfulness with little brought her into much. She was faithful in community. Boaz was, was I mean, he was pretty straight to Ruth. He, he said, hey, stay here. Don't go to another field. Stay here. For this For you, maybe this sounds like stay at your job. Maybe it sounds like stay at your church. Stay in this city. Maybe it, I don't know, maybe it's not the life you thought it would be, but it is your for now. Committed fellowship takes us beyond ourselves, beyond our struggles, and brings us into the strength of others. Stay in this field, boy. said, stay close to my maidens. There's safety here for you. When you're thirsty, go drink what the servants have already drawn. There's a protection that you have as you are faithful to where God has you that you let go of when you go out on your own. There's also a nourishment in the house of God, in the placement of God that you will lack when you go out on your own. Why would you do that? (laughs) Don't do that. Stay in the field. Ruth's faithfulness in community gave her favor and placement. And then she was, she was faithful to family. Verse 10 says, Ruth fell at his feet. She thanked him. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I am a foreigner. He's like, I know. But I also know everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord God of Israel, he said, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. He's like, Ruth, you've gone through stuff and you've done well. You found God. Now your full reward is coming. See, sometimes family situations are tough. Sometimes you're not as valued because it's like you're too known. Jesus talked about that. He said, a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown. He wasn't saying that this is a good thing. He was just saying that it's a thing, maybe like a thing to be fixed. It's common, but it's not correct. We should actually make way for family, both natural and spiritual, and provide opportunity for them to increase as they follow the ways of the Lord. This is legacy. This is generational blessing. This is redemption. This is the redemption of family. We don't have to be a people or a church that is typical. We can live redeemed 
we can do it differently. Families should be favorable. The one who knows me best is the one who loves me most, you know. That's Jesus. That should be us. Ruth's faithfulness to family released a favor for her to receive a full reward. I'm going to end. I'm going to have the worship team uh, join me. I'm going to end with this. The agricultural year in Israel had two harvests, okay? They had barley and wheat in the first three months. And then there was a four-month break. And then there was olives and grapes in the seventh month. Ruth, it says, remained in the field until the harvest season was complete. Hmm. See, there was a a tendency here in this day for just to wait or kind of for these people to have their eyes on the second harvest because the olives and grapes, the oil and wine, that was exciting. Like that was a time of joy and abundance and celebration. The barley and wheat bringing in the sheaves, not so great. But Ruth, she had her eyes on the field now. She was gleaning in her for now. She was working hard in her for now. The harvests were actually equally important. But yet many overlooked the first in order to be more about the second, the flashy one, the more exciting one. It's more important to do the hard work of gleaning when no one's looking than to wait for the big show of the reaping when everyone sees you. You're going to be harvesting no matter what. But there's something the first harvest produces in you that the second one cannot. I wonder, are we even ready for the second if we weren't willing to give the time and effort into the first? Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. So she stayed close, verse 23, by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest. She finished her season. See, a premature exit is a costly action. Are we faithful in the time and season we are in? Provision is based on our willingness. She had no harvest of grain until she went to pick it up. What are you willing, what am I willing to do to be where he's asked me to be? Ruth became what she was not because she was willing to do what she didn't have to. Do we have a time limit on what we would do for Jesus? Do we have a limit on what we would do for him? Don't be discouraged this morning. Be faithful. (laughs) Because God sees every effort. He sees every act of service. He sees everything that everyone else doesn't see. And you will get your full reward. There is reward for your suffering. There is reward for your suffering. There is reward for your suffering. You say, it has been painful. It has been hard. It has been day after day. It has been month after month. It has gone on a long time. You said it was a season. It feels more like a lifetime. There is reward for your suffering. There is reward. 
Small beginnings aren't so small. They're big beginnings wrapped in a small box. Why? Because their value far exceeds their size. Why don't you stand? Are you being faithful? Am I being faithful in my for now? Ask yourself this, what initiative am I being prompted even in this moment? Holy Spirit, just release initiatives right now. Holy Spirit, just release your initiatives right now. Promptings of the Spirit of God within our hearts to, to tell us what to do and where to go and, and what moves to make and, and what not to take. Release initiatives right now. What initiatives are you being prompted? What doors do you see in front of you right now? As you Even in the Spirit, Father, I pray that you'd release release visions of doors in each life right now that you would they would just see it in the spirit and you'd release it what what doors could use a good uh uh help a good kick maybe maybe he's unlocking them right now maybe he's dropping keys in your hands steps to take to open these doors what is your nest risk do you even risk what's the next risk ask the lord father what is my next risk Because your faithfulness and your heart alignment will release favor upon your requests as you ask of him. It will move you into places that you never should be. It will unlock opportunities that you never should have. You'll be, you'll be there. Uh, 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 uh. How did I get here? I'm just this Moabite stranger, heathen woman from, from, from nowhere that just took a risk because I wanted to be faithful. And, and now I'm in the genealogy of, like, how did this happen? That's you as God unlocks increase in your life. So ask him, what is my risk? What is my door? What is my initiative? This was Ruth. This is redemption. We are to live redeemed. Redeemed of the Lord. Your for now is not your forever. Someone needs to hear that. Your for now is not your forever. If you're here this morning, you don't have relationship with Jesus. I first want to give an opportunity for you. Because no one should have to live outside of the congregation of the Lord. There is a place for everyone at the table. There is a place for everyone at the table. So if you're here or if you're watching online and you're like, I don't have that relationship that you're talking about. I do feel a little bit like a stranger in a foreign land by the way you're talking. But you want that. I just want you to, to raise your hand or indicate to me or online and say, yes, I would like to come into relationship with Jesus. Father, I just release your presence over those that feel like strangers in a foreign land. And as they say yes to you right now, I thank you that in that moment, they are part of the congregation of the Lord, brought into the family of God with legacy and generational faithfulness and fruitfulness ahead of them in Jesus' name. I want to pray for some of you in this room that feel like you have lost some things. 
there's been things lost and you're like, I don't know that I'm ever going to get that back. It could be a dream in your heart. It could be a desire unfulfilled. It could be family members or jobs or peace. There was a time when you felt peaceful, but now you feel chaos. And it's like the clarity that you once had is very muddled. God wants to redeem that in your life today. If that's you and you have some areas, you're like, I just need a touch. Just, just respond to him. Just put your hands out in front of you in some way to indicate to the Father today. I just need help. I just need I just need to know you're here. I just need to know you're for me. I just need to know that there's hope. I just need to know it's not always going to be this way. Father, I just release your goodness on each one. I release the hope of the Lord. The light has come. He says, don't, don't worry about what has been or even what is because I am releasing a hope and a light in your life today. You will glean much. You are favored. You are mine. Jesus. I'm going to have some of my ministry team come that I've asked to come and pray. And if you need someone to pray with you one-on-one -on -one this morning, I'm going to ask you to come and respond to one of these people who would just love to pray with you. It could be about anything I've talked this morning, or it could be about nothing of what I've talked this morning. Because how many know sometimes we just need prayer? We just need someone to be in our corner, to call out together. The Bible says we have two agree on any one thing, it's done. So if there's a breakthrough you need or something that you need in your life, I'm going to invite you to come. They're going to lead us in just some worship as, as we close out. If, you, if you're, you're good and you're like, no, I'm good, thank you, then you are free to, to you're released to go and get your baked goods on the way out. <laughs> and God bless you and thank you for joining us. But if you would like prayer as we close this morning, why don't you come?